Hey, thanks for coming. Welcome to the Love Shack. Hey, welcome to the Love Shack. It's a little place where we get to get together, explore fresh perspectives, and eavesdrop on juicy conversations and uncover the mysteries that nobody talks about but absolutely influences our relationships. If you are struggling with your special someone, this show is dedicated to helping couples rescue their relationships. I am Stacey Bartley, and I'm here together with my co-host and lover, Tom Together for the past decade, we've been teaching and mentoring couples from around the world with the sole purpose of helping them create and experience love for a lifetime, both with themselves and others, with the help of wonderful people, different perspectives, and principles and skills that absolutely help us change our lives. And I would say welcome to the now Tom Bartley show. (laughs) And that's... If you if you don't know my humor there, it's really true. Um, it's episode 54, so go back and listen to that. I am now the king. So that's all I need to say. That yeah. happened last week, ladies and gentlemen. And we have a and new... you have to know it's created a havoc in our Well, we have a new order in our home now, and everything is understood. <laughs> so thanks to last week's guest, and she helped me understand that I am the king. So get used to my voice. You'll be hearing a lot of it, ladies and gentlemen. You're right. <laughs> Help me out here. So no, all can decide. We have a cool... I'm just going to say a, a spooky. How about that? A spooky. Yes. Well, it's our Halloween special. We Halloween decided to special. have a little fun as well as explore some of the concepts energetically behind the scenes of what happens in relationships. And today we have a special guest, Christy Sumner. And come to find out paranormal activities and romantic relationships have a lot of co- in common. As Christy says, often the more intense the emotional connections are, the more likely she and her team of soul sisters we'll be able to find paranormal activity. So, okay, you guys, come on. What a great conversation for a Halloween special inside. And this is not, we're not talking hocus pocus here. We're talking like real science, like science stuff. You know why? This woman has a PhD, so we're not Mm -hmm. like messing around. This is real Mm -hmm. and measurable. Hokey pokey. How about that? It's not hocus pocus. Christy and her team of incredible paranormal scientists actually strive to debunk anything that has been listed on the um, directories historically as something that's haunted. And they take their incredible high-tech equipment as well as their scientific minds, and they try and debunk some of these things that are claimed to be haunted. She is here behind the scenes with us, and we are going to bring her out and have a wonderful conversation about what it is this emotional intensity and haunting have in common for our Halloween special today. It is sure to be something that makes your toes curl and maybe the hair stand on the back of your neck. So don't miss it. We'll be right back after the short break and we'll introduce you to Christy. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Liz. I launched the bombbox.com after surviving four cancers over eight years. You heard that right, four cancers, eight years. I'm really good at getting cancer. I was especially miserable during breast cancer radiation treatment. I needed tools to help me with the gruesome side effects not covered by prescription meds. Online searches resulted in loads of bright pink sassy t-shirts and tote bags. I wanted ice packs and lotion, not pink stuff. So I launched the bombbox.com last fall featuring self-care and gift packages for cancer patients. And the business is exploding. We've been covered in USA Today, NBC, and Yahoo News. Most importantly, we've helped hundreds of patients in our first year alone. We're offering the Love Shack listeners a chance to win a soothing skin and lip spot to keep or gift to a friend or family member. 
To enter the bomb box giveaway, simply go to stacybartley.com forward slash fun. And please check out our wonderful line of cancer care packages at thebombbox.com. That's T-H-E-B-A-L-M-E-O-X.com. Hi, I'm Nathan Mum, host of Tech Time Radio with Nathan Mum on KKNW. Tech Time Radio's live show is Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m. And you can always check us on the web at techtimeradio.com. Our segmented stylized radio gives you the breaking news before it hits mainstream media. Join myself and Mike Rodea as we'll make you laugh. That's good. Hooked on phonics worked for you, didn't it? (laughs) Just a little bit. And learning something new in technology, join us Saturdays, 4 to 6 p.m. and Thursdays from 6 to 7 a.m. The technology show for the everyday common person. Are you ready to venture off the beaten path? Expand your mind, raise your consciousness, and open your heart? Allow me to entice you with interviews with amazing souls from around the world. Indulge in history, mystery, science, and spirituality. There's weekly skin tips, live esoteric readings, and answers to life's burning questions. So come join me, Sakura, your host, intuitive medium and spiritual hypnotherapist, each Wednesday at 2 to 3 p.m. right here on KKNW for Love from the Hip. Get your daily dose of variety. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is episode 55. Hard to believe that. Blessed and grateful to be in our second year here at Love Shack Live. We have our engineer at Spaceship KKNW, Eric Ryder, mm-hmm. directing us, making us look and sound good. And we have a very, very special guest for our Halloween episode. If you're yeah. listening live and if you're not, you can check us whenever you happen to listen to it. In 2014, Dr. Christy Sumner coupled her passion for travel and history and the paranormal when she formed Soul Sisters Paranormal. Soul Sisters has traveled to some of the most historic and reportedly haunted locations in the United States in an attempt to determine for themselves if paranormal activity actually exists and to also highlight the rich history of each location. In 2020, this is when Soul Sisters Paranormal moved to more of an investigator format with Christy and her sister, Jenny, and they conduct paranormal investigations at haunted sites around the country. And we have her here today. And and you might be thinking, like, what the heck does this have to have do with relationships? Have you guys lost your, your, your vision here of helping, helping people rescue well, their Well, number one, it is a Halloween special, okay? We, we do want to put sometimes the problems on the shelves and have a little fun. And we talk about that every week in our episode. But you know, the thing that fascinated me when I had a conversation with Christy was this idea that emotional intensity leaves behind a residual effect that can actually be measured scientifically. Now, this is fascinating to me because so many of us in the relationship journey, we have this conversation that when I am engaged in some kind of an emotionally intense situation or circumstance, that it's for naught that it doesn't matter, that I've been taken advantage of, that, right, um, I I am not able to, um, how am I wanting to say this, move forward or go on because what we just experienced and what we just had was, you know, it's gone. And this starts to highlight that maybe it really isn't gone and that really maybe there's more to the picture that we don't consider when it comes to the emotional exchange of intense relationships. And so we're going to ask Christy a lot of questions around this about what does she find and what's the stories behind these haunted houses? Is it possible you can help us and ride along with us as listeners? Is it possible that actually haunted houses are the result of emotionally intense 
situations and circumstances between human beings? This is the question that we were really wanting to answer, and we could find no better than Christy Sumner, who actually has a PhD in public affairs with an emphasis on criminal justice. She's also a senior director for a registered travel company prior to finding Soul Sisters as a biometric clearances for the traveling public. She's also a senior consultant for a biometric credentialing company prior to finding Soul Sisters. And she was a college professor at Metro State College of Denver and the University of Central Florida. I only bring this up to showcase to you that this incredible guest that we are so honored and delighted and excited to have with us inside the Love Shack today, she knows her science, okay? And her intent, as she had shared with me when we first met, was to debunk some of these stories because she's wanting to prove it out with her investigations, realistically, scientifically, right, with measuring equipment. So we are so excited to have her share some of these ideas and concepts with us today for our Halloween special. Christy, welcome to the show. It is so wonderful to have you here. I have to be honest, I have been excited for this episode for like months. <laughs> <laughs> I've been excited as well. Hi, Stacey. Hey, uh, King Tom, how are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's something we're going to have to get to the bottom of. <laughs> um, I know that you and your team have traveled and investigated numerous locations, one of them being the Lizzie Borden House. Mm-hmm. I did some uh, research on the Lizzie Borden house once you and I had talked about it. And for listeners who perhaps know nothing about the Lizzie Borden house, Christy, would you please tell us a little bit about the history of this murder case of the century to August 4th, 19, I'm sorry, 1892. And you know what? Actually, I'm going to have you pause there because Eric, if by chance you have the video clip ready, it would be wonderful for people to see you in action that are joining in, joining us on YouTube Live. Like, oh my gosh. Okay, so let's just pause here and not have you answer that question for a minute, but actually give people a visual idea of what it is you really do as a soul sister paranormal investigator. Like, <laughs> is such a thing in oh, I didn't know there was such a thing that okay, existed. Let, let the video roll now, Mrs. <laughs> All right, let's play the video. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> right. So those of us who are watching this on um, the podcast directory only, I'm going to encourage you to go and check out the YouTube video. I, I don't know how to put that into words to help you understand what we just witnessed. Um, but it shows it shows uh, Christiane, I believe that's your sister, you know, setting setting up. So, mm-hmm. again, again, this is science space. And we're going to get into this. But I love that because, again, you know, a lot of this was, you know, hocus pocus or whatever. And I've always known, look, energy one of our mentors has been on energy cannot be killed. It just changes to another form. So exactly. Yeah. So, so Christy, um, tell us about the Lizzie Borden case, August 4th, 1892. What did you discover when you were at Lizzie Borden as you come on to the show here? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Navigating the silent, complex moments of separation or your partner's need for space can feel like walking through a maze without a map. If this sounds familiar, know that you are not alone. This journey, filled with uncertainties and introspection, requires a gentle, understanding guide. Hey, I'm Brooke from Love Shack Live. We see you, and more importantly, we get it. That's why we created the Separation Support Bundle a collection of resources designed to not just guide you through separation, but to offer comfort and clarity during these times. Our separation guide offers insights and support to help make sense of your emotions and the process of separation, 
and for those moments when words escape you, our guide on 10 texts to send when navigating space provides thoughtful prompts to help communicate with compassion, plus a soothing separation meditation to help ease the overwhelming moments. Because sometimes all we need is a starting point or a way to start feeling okay again. Remember, you don't have to journey through these complexities of separation alone. Our separation support bundle is here to accompany you, guiding you towards healing, understanding, and most importantly, the renewed sense of self. Visit stacybartley.com forward slash bundle today to access your free separation support bundle. At Love Shack Live, we're all about exploring the real stuff that relationships bring, the good and the challenging. So let's tackle this together, because even in the hardest times, there's hope, growth, and yes, even love to be found. Absolutely. So um, the for those of your audience who don't know the story, um, this happened in Fall Rivers, Massachusetts, as you said, in 1892. And uh, this was the murder of Andrew Borden and his step uh, or his, his second wife, uh, Abby Borden. And uh, they were bludgeoned to death uh, by still an unknown assailant. Um, uh, Andrew Borden was in his parlor sleeping on the couch when he was bludgeoned to death by an axe. And Abby Borden was upstairs and she was bludgeoned to death by an axe. Um, Lizzie Borden was arrested for the crime. She was actually acquitted uh, in uh, 1893. And uh, like I said, today, it's still an unsolved crime. And so when we go to these locations, we get to have a very tactile experience with those historical places, right? I get to touch the doorknobs that Lizzie Borden touched and walked on those floors and everything else. And um, so to your point earlier, our job that we feel is to go in and control for all the environmental factors that we can control for, i.e. light pollution, noise pollution, pollution and such. And in an attempt to see if we can come up with a rational explanation as to why someone would think this location is haunted. So to your point, we do use different techniques. We do use different pieces of equipment. Uh, Night vision video cameras, voice recorders are included in that. So when we investigated the house, um, we found some very compelling things that we could not explain in the moment. Uh, There were five female investigators on this investigation, yet we were capturing men's voices. We were capturing children's voices. Um, All of the uh, equipment that we deployed that night were it was indicating that some type of energy was acting upon those pieces of equipment. Again, we can't explain that. And so for us, the Lizzie Borden house was just an amazing investigation. Mm. Well, I see you were actually picking up voices, even Mm -hmm. though there was nobody there. Absolutely. So the very first thing that we do when we go into a location, um, even before we cross the threshold, um, we we do prior research on the location, but then we turn on our voice recorders when we go in. And so they're always running, no matter what we're doing, we've got voice recorders running because we want to pick up anything that, that, that could be to us unexplainable. And so an example of this would be, um, again, we're, we're in the parlor of the Lizzie Borden house and three of us are upstairs setting up some of the equipment. And my sisters, Jenny and Michelle are downstairs in the parlor where uh, Andrew was killed. And they're just talking about the day, right? You hear them just talking, just chit-chatting. And the voice recorder picked up a man's voice that said, I'm standing right here next to you. Uh, I have no explanation for it. Um, there was no man present in the house. You, you can. There's a, a, um, a camera running at the same time. You can clearly see that there's nobody standing in the parlor with them. 
And then later on, about an hour later, um, Cara and Jenny, one of my investigators, Cara and Jenny were sitting in the parlor and they're just talking and they start talking about the differences between the Villisca Axe Murder House, which we had investigated prior, and the Lizzie Borden House. And so they're just talking about those two cases. And um, Cara says... Either way, being axed to death would be a horrible way to die. And again, we captured a man's voice saying it was. So again, no explanation for that because, as I said, we've controlled for all the noise that we can. Um, we have we have voice recorders, we have video cameras running, and you can clearly see that there's nobody else in the room with them. Wow, that's incredible. And I, I think it's important for listeners to understand who Lizzie was in mm-hmm. relationship to the other two people that you mentioned, the stepmother and the father. Absolutely. So Lizzie was around 30 years old when this happened and she had a sister and they lived in the house with their father and their stepmother, Abby. And, um, Andrew Borden was extremely well off. He was he was in the textile industry, um, so he had a lot of wealth uh, there in Fall River. Um, but he really decided that his family was going to live lean. Um, so they didn't have an extravagant home, which Lizzie wanted. Um, they didn't have a lot of frills, um, even though they could afford it. And, and Lizzie really wanted to live in a higher class of society than what her father uh, really wanted to keep the family living at. And so there was a lot of speculation that um, the murders were committed so that Abby and her sister would get the inheritance. And it is interesting when you think about it, because in the order of death succession, if you will, um, if Andrew Borden would have been killed first, then the um, estate would have gone to Abby Borden and her heirs. So Abby Borden, and and because um, uh, Lizzie and her sister were not the biological children, it would have gone to um, Abby's family. Mm-hmm. So um, so Abby Borden had to be killed first, and it had to be documented that she was killed first. And by that, I mean, um, she was killed approximately 90 minutes before Andrew was killed. And they know that because the body had already started to cool and the blood had already started to dry. So they knew that um, when they found her that she had been killed first, which meant that since uh, since Andrew was killed second, then um, Abby and her or Lizzie and her sister would get the inheritance. So mm-hmm. that's that's really interesting when you start thinking about that. Um, so there were a lot of, of, of reasons to indicate that Lizzie Borden was the murderer. Um, but then on the flip side, there are some other people that would have benefited from the death as well. Um, again, just having uh, Andrew Borden out of the way, essentially. But as I said before, in uh, 1893, she was acquitted of the, Lizzie Borden was acquitted of the crime. Uh, a lot of people think that it was because she was female, that the all male jury decided that a female did not have that capacity to kill. And that was the reason that they uh, that they acquitted her one of the interesting things is that once she was acquitted and she got the inheritance from her father her father's estate she never left fall rivers uh she she bought a house um about a mile and a half away and she lived her remaining years there she died in uh, 1927 uh, but through all that time she did not leave she faced the ridicule of being um you know kind of uh branded as a murderer but she uh and that's that's one of the things that always interested me is is why she didn't move from the location Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah well so when you go in you know our our thing that we're wanting to explore here today is this intense obviously there's emotional relational impact there of high intensity right Mm -hmm. we we have the interplay of a parent-child relationship alone with a step parent which we know can really kind of flare things up regardless Mm -hmm. of 
you know, how that goes, whether it's really intense as far as like a relationship connection or whether it's more of the adversarial nature, which I take is Lizzie Borden's experience with her stepmother. She feels very threatened, very put off, et cetera, in just reading the little bit that I did. Mm-hmm. Is it been your experience now that you've done several different cases of investigation in hauntings that um, this indeed is the case, that there's some kind of a relational kind of intensity behind these hauntings that make it easier or more likely for you and your team to find paranormal activity? Oh, absolutely. And and not just at the Lizzie Borden house, you know, every place that we've investigated that has some event that had high intensity or high emotion or um, an extreme release of emotion on a very short uh, time frame, if you will, um, th- those have a higher propensity to have paranormal activity or unexplained activity. Um, so, for example, it, it's much more likely that we're going to find something in the Lizzie Borden house versus if we go down to the corner 7-Eleven, um, just because. <laughs> It, it just doesn't have that, you know, emotional release. Um, so that's why places like uh, Civil War battlefields, uh, 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 l- uh, lunatic asylums, um, prisons, jails, they they do have that high emotional, high intensity um, history and background. And so that is why we feel that we we are able to capture things that we can't explain. Yeah, that's that's such a fascinating experience. And it, and this has always been a theory that I've never been able to scientifically prove. The, the thing that I'm wanting to ask you now is why is it that the, in the emotional intensity of relationships between human beings, this residual tends to get left behind when the emotions of the situation are more of what we would call a heavy or negative nature, as opposed to the incredible experience emotionally of like two human beings making incredibly passionate love. Of, right? The, the lighter, more experiential kinds of emotions that we can experience also as being a human being, um, they, they tend to be like these more negative experiences. And I just want you to confirm that kind of suspicion for me and what your thoughts are there. Well, not so much negative. I, you know, the, the places that we've investigated, uh, as you said, are, are those places that have those high energy emotion, emotional states, right? Prisons, insane asylums, lunatic asylums, axe murder houses. And so we expect to find those. And that is more what we call um, somewhat of a residual haunting, to your point. Um, but there also there are also other instances where we capture things that are more of a positive relationship type of a situation. So I'll give you a personal example of that. Yes, please. Uh, yeah. So um, my granddaddy died in 1986 and he um, was the only uh, husband of my Nana, uh, my grandmother. So we called her Nana. And um, so they they loved each other. They had a great relationship up until his unexpected heart attack in 1986. And so my Nana and I were extremely close. I mean, I'm actually named after her. And so mm-hmm. she um, she lived. She, she never really remarried. I mean, she dated some. Um, she never really remarried or anything like that. And um, so in 2016, I had an extremely intense dream, probably the most intense dream I've ever had in my life. And my granddaddy came to me in this dream and I asked him what he wanted. And he said, I'm waiting for your Nana. You're going to be getting a call soon. And I'm, I can tell you how he smelled. I can tell you how the, the drawstrings on his pants were tied. That's how wow. intense this dream was. Wow. Um, you know, what it, how, his, how his shirt was buttoned and all of that. And so I woke up and it's just one of those things where you wake up, you remember everything about it. It was extremely intense, but you don't really know what to do with that information. Right. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of, just kind of said, okay, that was a very intense dream. 
about three or four weeks later, um, we got a call that my Nana was in an accident. She had fallen. Um, she had broken her hip, like pretty much crushed her hip. And so she had surgery and she ended up getting MRSA and she never really recovered from that accident. So she went into hospice and she was in hospice for probably about three and a half, four weeks. Mm -hmm. And, and during that time, she was saying that she was seeing granddaddy and all of that. And so she had that, that kind of, uh, you know, mental connection with him. And so on the day that she passed and with permission from my family, I looked at my twin sister and I said, I know where she's going. She is going to go meet granddaddy in the spot that was depicted in this dream. It was a very, it was in his office, um, uh, in this house that they lived in together. And so Jenny and I grabbed some equipment and we went to the house. Now the power had been turned off at the house because she had been in hospice for so long. And we never really expected her to go back to the house because we knew she was going to pass in hospice. So we went to the house and um, we have two meters. They're called K2 meters. They're designed to measure electromagnetic energy, i.e. power. There's no power on in the house. And we had nothing on our person that emitted any type of power. One of these meters is gray in color and one is black. And so we stood in the spot that was depicted in my dream and we're holding these meters out. And there's a light array on the meters. They go from green to red. Red indicates high energy. Green means there's no energy to be found. So I'm holding these two meters and they're about a foot and a half apart. And I said, Nana, are you here with us? Both of the meters indicated that there was energy acting upon it. They spiked up to red and I'm not moving them. And I said, okay, can you stop on those meters back away and just go to the gray meter? And they, it did. The gray meter started lighting up. The black meter did not. And I said, just to confirm, can you stop on the gray meter and go to the black meter? And it did. And so through a series of questions, we were able to determine what I feel um, is that Nana met up with granddaddy. And they ascended to whatever's next together. Um, I'm a Christian, so I'll call it heaven. So they ascended to that together. Uh, we went back, because just to confirm this, we went back a week later, did the exact same exper experiment with the exact same pieces of equipment, asking the exact same questions, and did not get any response at all. No blip or indication uh -huh. on anything that we had. And so for me, it was a very peaceful feeling. It, it allowed mm -hmm. me comfort to know that two things. One, that when we pass we're going to be met with somebody that knows who we are and has a connection with us. And that too, that they met up together, that Nana wasn't alone, that she met up with granddaddy and they moved on together. And so that's my belief in what happened. And so, you know, back to your question earlier, I do think that a lot of the places that we go to just by their nature have that negative feel, but there are also indications that we have positive relationship and spiritual energy remaining as well. No, that's so cool. Because, you know, in the relational field, which is highly energetic and all emotional, which is fluid, fast, dynamic, shape shifts, time travels, right? It has all the permission in the whole wide world as far as energy goes. It can really take us places. And that's what we love about it. And that's mm -hmm. also what terrifies us about it. And sometimes when things don't go the way that we thought they were going to go, we have this tendency to believe that it was all for naught, that it was ridiculous, that how could I be so stupid? How could I have not known? How could I have not seen that coming without realizing that each and every experience like that energetically, emotionally contributes to and leaves this residual effect around mm -hmm. and can't experience that right intensity without somebody else experiencing it along with us. So it's real, it's memorable, 
what we choose to do with that is totally our accord, but it really is matter that we get to decide how it is we're going to impact and implement that into our lives moving forward. And your work and your incredible science kind of proves that for me, which I just go, yay. And my theory behind negative emotions is that negative emotions have just a heavier weight to them. If we were to measure them on the scale of like the chemistry table, right? Um, those intense emotions that are more of the negative nature, we would lay right? It's all just emotion. They just have a little more property to them. They're a little heavier. So if we were to put them on a scale, right, it would go like, dunk, right? <laughs> and yet, when we feel more inspired and in love and, and, and lighthearted, that's how we describe that emotion inside of our physical bodies as though it is lighter. I feel lighter. I feel better. I feel like I could fly. I feel like my feet are above the ground, right? Everything is good. And it's fascinating to me that as human beings, we describe our more lighter, inspired experiences in that capacity, right? Is there anything in your experience within your investigations that kind of affect you in this way where you sense, oh man, this is really heavy or wow, okay, this seems like incredible. Like you had said with your grandparents, mm -hmm. I felt so much better to know that, you mm -hmm. know, there was a moment of inspiration and lighthearted energy or emotions as opposed to the, mm, I can only imagine in an insane asylum or <laughs> in a jail cell or something, right? Holy cow, there's got to be a lot of intensity there. There really is, you know, and, and for us, like I said, we go in to, to try to find out those answers from a research mindset. Um, but it, it, it is when you walk into a former maximum security prison or to the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, um, you know, it, it, to me, it's not so much the relationship energy that is that is there. It's it's basically the life energy that really is permeating the walls. You know, in the um, in the example of the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, we're talking about a facility that was um, built in 1864 and it was an operation until 1994 and wow. it's its purpose to begin with was was extremely altruistic right it was it was to have one-on-one -on -one patient care for those that suffered from mental illness and tuberculosis so it's this grand opulent um, facility that had room and light and the best doctors and the best care and it was designed to hold 250 patients um, by the time that it closed the 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 care had digressed to such that that it had uh, uh, 2,500 patients and wow. they were doing lobotomies and shock therapy wow. treatments and cold water bath treatments. So for me, the energy that we're experiencing there is not so much a relationship energy, but it's it, it's basically permeated into the walls, right? This negativity of just being in that facility. So um, yeah, it is extremely intense when we go to these places and we find that, um, you know, we get a connection with somebody in that facility or we're able to communicate with a spirit that remains there. Um, but then on the flip side, you know, we go to some place like um, the, the uh, Exchange Hotel in Gordonsville, Virginia. Now, granted, this was a hotel that was built pre-Civil War. Um, during the Civil War, it was converted into a Civil War hospital that saw both Union and Confederate soldiers, but then it was repurposed back into a hotel. Tell. And so you do have that facet, but there are spirits of children that reside there. And for us, that is a really interesting experience. We have more of a lighthearted nature with those because we're down on the floor. We're on a child's level. Um, we're getting responses. We're playing games and such. So, you know, from going from the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic to Asylum to experiencing that with a child, it is a lot different. It is a different type of energy that we're feeling. Wow, that's so incredible. So, you know, I'm curious as to how this 
these experiences overall kind of affect your perspective on life and relationships, you know, both with yourself and others, because I believe it's all just one relational conversation of mm -hmm. life, right? It's either the experiences that I'm having with inside of myself, or it's the experiences that I'm having by co-creating and sharing myself with others, mm -hmm. right? That's, that's kind of my belief and where I come yeah, from. Yeah, I would say, oh my gosh, you've just shared with us, Christy. Thank you. Wow. I mean, just incredible spectrum of differences of energy. So yeah, I would, what has been your biggest ahas for you to, to implement into your own relationship because of all this incredible swath of study you, you and your team have done? What you know, you it, well, for me personally, I, I really, it has allowed me to have a different perspective on where we go after this, what happens after we die. I mean, I've always had a belief to your point earlier, Tom, that, you know, energy cannot be created or destroyed, right? It just, it just morphs into something different. And mm -hmm. so I've always had that belief, but to get the um, validation, if you will, uh, the unexplained occurrences that we've gotten, um, it really just kind of puts me more, a little bit more at ease that, you know, we are going someplace after this our energy does uh transcend space and time and uh so it it, it allows me to have a different perspective there um and then it, this really this whole journey has allowed me to meet different people to relate to different people you know I, i've gotten to meet the, the two of you and so that's just a prime example of you know relationships that have been built based on what i do that really just started as a hobby um you know but but now i i i've gotten um you know, I found a best friend through this. We've opened a business together in the course of the last year. And so that never would have happened if I hadn't started on this paranormal journey, if you will. And so it really has transformed me uh, in a completely different path um, than I was on, you know, four or five, six years ago. Yeah. And that must be incredibly fascinating to feel like you're actually exchanging conversations, as you had mentioned, playing with children on the floor, that must be an incredible experience of feeling like you're engaging with somebody who is just here in the energetic form, not the physical form, right? Mm -hmm. Could you could you tell us a little bit about that experience? Oh, yeah, that that particular experience was it was actually a lot of fun. Um, as I said before, this was at the Exchange Hotel, which is in Gordonsville, Virginia. And there was a there's a report of a young child named Jeremiah, uh, who is said to run run around and play with any visitors in, in the location. So at that point, um, we had some, we took some glow in the dark balls with us and we sat down on the floor and we decided to see if we could have a little game with him. So my investigator, Kim, um, was probably about 15 feet from me. We were sitting in a hallway. So she sat down on one end of the hallway and about, I was about 15 feet away on the other end of the hallway. And she and I each had one of those K2 meters that I mentioned earlier, right? It has mm -hmm. the light arrays on it. And they were sitting right in front of us. And I said, I said, Jeremiah, if you're here, I'm going to roll this ball down to Kim, but I'm only going to do it if you light up the lights in front of me. And it did. And so I rolled the ball down to Kim and Kim said the same thing. You know, if you're here with me, I'm going to roll this ball back to Christy, but you've got to light up the little lights in front of me. And so we had this back and forth and it was, it was really kind of neat. Um, and then later on during that night, we had a voice recorder sitting on the bed in one of the rooms that's decorated to look like the old hotel. And we captured an extremely interesting voice. Uh, we, again, have no children on our team at all. There was no child on the property. But yet we, ca we captured a child's voice saying, hi, this is my bed. 
And I think that I think that was Jeremiah. It happened after we had done the the K2 uh, play session on the on the ground. Happened about an hour and a half later. We captured that little voice. And to me, it's just validation that we have this this energy that is 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 intelligent. It's it's working with us to play this little game on the floor. But then it's also recognizing that there's some type of foreign object on his little bed. And so to me, that's just a really interesting experience. One I cannot explain again because. We we have no children anywhere on this property, yet I'm capturing this voice. So for wow. me, when we capture those things, it really is just this elation, if you will, that mm-hmm. we're communicating intelligently um, with the with this entity, with this spirit. Mm. And what prevents you from being scared about engaging with this kind of energy? I, I think a lot of us, and as far as our listeners go, and myself included, would be a little like, Oh man, I don't know. This is kind of scary. Well, and I would just add, have you found yourself, Christy, over your years of doing this, being more open and and I would say neutral to whatever you're open to whatever it is you're going to discover? Have you, have oh, you yeah. felt like that has grown in your ability to do so? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's it's it really started out going back real quick, this started out as a girl's trip, right? The, the very first investigation that we did was at the West Virginia state penitentiary. And, um, my what? sisters and my sisters and I, my sisters and I live in different parts of the country. And so every two or three times a year, we would get together and just go to different cities and have a really cool girls weekend. And so in 2014, we decided to go to Moundsville, West Virginia. And we had a family friend that sat on the board of the West Virginia state penitentiary. And he said, while you're here, why don't you just take one of your nights and stay in the prison? See if you can communicate with our spirits. Yeah. So, you know, instead of having wine somewhere, we decided to (laughs) grab some voice recorders and some cameras and go stay the night in the West Virginia state penitentiary. Now, like I said, very rudimentary, but we were hearing doors slamming, we were hearing footsteps, we were hearing voices. And I'll admit that's startling in the moment because you're not re- on in these instances, we're not relying on sight, right? Because everything is in the dark. So we're relying on hearing that becomes very acute. We're relying on smell, on, on uh, you know, touch in some instances. And so it really becomes a little bit startling. But the more we've delved into this, it has become fascinating to the point where we're, we're expecting and wanting something to happen so we can try to communicate and engage with these spirits to see if we can tell their story because that's legitimately why we're there, right? The the first reason is to give a very historical detailed narrative of the locations that we visit because we think that the history is the most important. And then the secondary factor is try to communicate with these entities to tell their story. So Mm -hmm. every video that you watch of ours, the theme is, can we tell your story? Will you allow us to do that? Um, So we go in with this... um, you know, sense of empathy, if you will, for for the people that we're trying to communicate with, the spirits that we're trying to communicate with. And I think because of that, we get some very compelling responses in, in return. Wow. So that's so fascinating to me because we have a body of work in, in the work that we do called our internal movie. Mm-hmm. And that is so compelling for us to want people to hear and understand my story of why I feel the way I feel, what I'm going through and what I'm experiencing in this earthly experience of being me, of being myself. Mm -hmm. And this is what brings couples and families and parents and children to blow sometimes because we feel misunderstood, we don't feel appreciated, and we certainly start to question whether we matter or not. So it's fascinating to me to think that that journey for us in the energetic form as a spirit 
continues after we're long gone, we're still trying to tell our story, Mm -hmm. right, to leave our mark upon this experience. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, the very core of human existence is to be acknowledged. Nobody wants to go through life and say, I, I, I don't, nobody sees me, I'm not recognized. And I think the same thing is is prevalent in the spirit world as well. Uh, you know, I do think that they're here for a reason to tell us this story um, or to have some quote unquote unfinished business fulfilled so they can move on. But mm-hmm. while they're here, they want their story told. Mm-hmm. And so for us to attempt to, to a- attempt to get that story is really what we're trying to do. You know, we don't go in with bravado. We don't go in with chest thumping and say, hey, you know, I'm here to provoke you to get me to tell your story. I mean, we legitimately research these locations very extensively before we go in. We try to get names of or, or dates of events that happened around a location so we can try to connect with the spirits that are there. So we go in on a very um, personal level, if you will, to try to communicate mm-hmm. with these spirits. And like I said, I think because of that, we're going in with that sense of empathy and respect we get some interesting responses in return. I would say what you so eloquently just described would be a perfect recipe for doing before we pass over to the next side, meaning you could take those same wonderful qualities and attributes, Chrissy, that you just shared and try that with your living partner and see where it takes you. Mm -hmm. You know, empathy and non-judgment and like, what a concept. I mean, Mm -hmm. not to dismiss what you're doing, but you know what? We don't have to wait till someone has passed on to the next point of the journey because we find in our body of work, they work really, really well. Meaning everyone, we say, like you said, wants three things to be acknowledged, to know that we matter. And mm-hmm. like, you know, I mean, that, that's like our basic premise mm-hmm. of being a human being. Yeah, exactly. That I was actually here, that I was actually here. So so as we wrap up, I've got to have you share the one story that you shared with me when we were getting to know each other several months ago. And that was the story about the mother and the son who were in the shootout, right? I mean, like I have three sons. In fact, I have one that's coming to celebrate his 30th birthday on October 30th. And I said to him on the phone yesterday, I can't wait to kiss your face. Like, and who says that to their 30 year old son, right? And he laughs. Oh, that's fantastic. Mother, right. Um, and, and so this story particular in particular resonated with mm-hmm. me when you shared it with me. And so let's, let's share it with our listeners as well. Sure. Absolutely. So this is a story about a mother and son relationship. However, these these weren't the greatest guys and, and gals on earth here. Um, so what we're referring to is the Ma Barker and her son, Fred Barker. Uh, Ma and Fred were two members of the Barker Carpus gang, which was the most prolific gang of the late 1920s, early 1930s. And uh, so this was a roaming gang of robbers. They would go, they would crisscross the Midwest. They would uh, commit uh, uh, bank robberies, train robberies. They were in shootouts. Um, they were wanted for 14 different murders through their time span. And um, the problem at the time was there was no real federal jurisdiction uh, that can control these gangs. Uh, J. Edgar Hoover came onto the scene in 1924 as head of the Bureau of Investigation, um, which which was the predecessor of the FBI. And so he really wanted to standardize things, but he really didn't have that that strong arm of the law yet, if you will. Um, in 1934, uh, the, the Barker Carpus gang decided that they would escalate into kidnapping. And so they kidnapped uh, a guy by the name of William Ham. And then uh, they got some about $100,000 ransom for him. And then they kidnapped Edward Bremer and they asked $200,000 ransom for him. Now, they crossed state lines with Bremer from Minnesota to Illinois, which now was against the uh, the Lindbergh Act which is made uh, crossing jurisdictions with mm-hmm. kidnapped victim, a federal crime, which now allowed J. Edgar Hoover to really go after them. 
So in uh, the fall of 1934, the gang dispersed and Ma and Fred Barker went down to a little town in central Florida called Oklahoma and they rented a home uh, that was uh, owned by Carson Bradford and uh, the home, they, they rented it under the alias of T.C. Blackburn. And so in uh, January of 1935, J. Edgar Hoover found Ma's other son, Arthur, who they called Doc. They found him in Chicago. And so when they were rummaging through his artifacts, um, they found a letter referencing this lake in Central Florida and an alligator named Big Joe. So they went down to Central Florida and they asked alligator trappers, is there a lake that has an alligator named Big Joe in it? And they said, yeah, this this little lake, Lake Weir, um, which just happened to have this little town, Oklahoma, by it. So the FBI went down there. They tracked Ma and Fred to this house, again, in Oklahoma. And on January 16th, 1935, at about 530 in the morning, the FBI descended on this little rental house. It culminated in the longest gun battle in FBI history. And Ma and Fred were killed in that gun battle. They were killed in an upstairs room of the house. And so the interesting thing is, is after the shootout, the owner had the presence of mind to preserve it as it was during the shootout. So you walk into it today and there's bullet holes all over the wall. There's bullet holes in the furniture. The sconces are the same. The hardwood floors are the same. Um, The only thing that's different is the windows. So in 2016, they wanted to sell the house, but the new owners, uh, they wanted to sell the land, but the new owners wanted to demolish the house. So Marion County, Florida took the house and they moved it to a new location. So it now sits vacant about on about 40 acres by itself, no power and no water to this location. So we asked if we could be the first team to investigate this house. So when we went in, I wanted to encompass the, the anniversary of the shootout. And so we left equipment to run overnight by itself on January 15th. And it ran until the morning of January 16th, which would have been the 83rd anniversary of the shootout. And so we left, nobody was in the house. When we went back and and analyzed the equipment, we were capturing the sounds of door slamming. We captured a man's voice saying, get out. Uh, We captured what sounded like a a chair being drug across the hardwood. Um, But the most compelling thing that we captured was our voice recorder in the room where Ma and Fred's body was found captured two voices. The first one said, Freddie. The next one said, yeah, Ma. And the first one said, get ready. And so for me, that is an indication that there is something spiritual going on in this house. Um, It was extremely compelling. And I think that is actually what they said before the shootout happened 83 years prior. And so for us, it's just that that um, that compelling evidence that the spirit activity does exist in that house. It continues on. Mm, it's so cool. Well, Christy, thank you so much. I mean, you've confirmed so many things that I had already <laughs> suspected were true, um, that that our emotional intensity that we create in our lives, both with ourselves and with others, really does have residual impact, right? And you can measure it, you can analyze it. And I love that idea that we came away with that our stories, right, that we acknowledge the fact that we existed, that we were here, that we played a role in the human story of humanity. It really does matter to us. And we do that, right, even after we're we're gone, right? We love our stories to continue on behind us. So thank you so much for the work that you do and the fascinating experience of having you celebrate this Halloween special with us. And where can people find more about you and your work, Christy? Uh, Our website is www.soulsistersparanormal.com. We're also very active on Facebook under Soul Sisters Paranormal. We also have a YouTube under Soul Sisters Paranormal. Um, Any information you want to find, probably go to our website, but all of our videos and such are on YouTube as well. 
Oh, so great. Thank you so much for your time here. Happy Halloween. Happy <laughs> Halloween to you so both. Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. You right. betcha. We're going to take a really quick break and then we're going to come back and have a quick bit of fun. We're going to continue the fun along here with our little follow the fun. So we'll be right back after this quick break and you kind of let that set in like, wow, that, that's amazing. <laughs> I met Stacy and Tom about two years ago. I was at a point in my relationship where I was ready to file for divorce. Not that I wanted to, but I just felt hopeless and helpless. I'd been through other counseling and coaching and didn't find any success. With Stacy and Tom's methods, I was able to eliminate insecurities, set boundaries, plant my flag, eliminate rabbit holing. I was separated from my wife for a year and I have since moved back home uh, for the last six months now. I still refer back to a lot of the teaching that Stacy and Tom provided and it's helped me. It's well worth it. Learn the simple three-step system to rescue your struggling relationship by registering for Stacy's brand new free workshop. Reserve your seat by going to stacybartley.com slash workshop. Ready to shake things up? Try Alternative Talk 1150. Inside the Love Shack. Welcome back, everybody. Inside the Love Shack, uh, episode 55. Yeah, if you didn't catch that, thank wow. you so much to our awesome guests and our Halloween. I mean, my, I could, I could listen to Christy for man, I know, stories has- for real. But anyway, we're gonna jump into our fun frolic. That's also very, very Halloween specific, and that's mm-hmm. all I'm allowed to say. Even though it is now the Tom Bartley Show, I just might ask. <laughs> well, well, if our engineer has some pictures, the pictures are worth a thousand words. We'll describe it to you. But today, for our follow the fun experience. What we want to impress upon you is to make a Halloween fort. Now, if you want to go to my website, I have a video all about how to do that very simply, economically and easily. And we have some pictures here um, that show this tent. And basically, it's just four little two by twos. You put them up. It's with really some clamps, easy. You put and some sheets over the there, top. There we go. Thank you, Eric. And what ends up happening is we strung <laughs> some lights. And Tom and I, in a celebration of Halloween Eve, we ended up making us some very special cocktails. And we climbed inside of this tent to watch a scary movie together. And the thing that was so fun about this is this is novel. This is fun. This is unique. And even though there was a bit of resistance on the front side with Tom, he ended up really getting into it. And Eric, there's one more picture that you can throw for those who are watching us on YouTube. It's basically, we decided, ah, <laughs> I, I was going to do so There you go. What we're seeing here is we have hats and mustaches and glasses and somehow Tom's mustache ended up on his chin. I'm not quite sure how that happened. But um, again, you can go to YouTube and you can see these pictures. But what I want to impress upon you in regards to follow the fun is there's something about building a fort and there's something about climbing inside of that fort to watch a movie. It creates an entirely different experience. And, and you know what, for those guys out there, like, you know, like you say, Oh, that that's cute enough, but I cannot impress upon you enough. And again, and I am, the, believe me, I'm a pretty practical guy, you know, <laughs> and like, like really a tent, but just, just try it. Just try it. It, it. it like will it will spark the the little kid inside of you. That's it all. really will. It and really there was will. some laughter and some giggles. So please, if you need some instructions on how to put that together, as well as like a recipe for some all gonna be right snacks, there. Right there. We got you covered. It's all in the show notes. So as we do every episode, 
we have a can you feel it moment. And that is a song that we choose to help you not only anal- analyze what we've just talked about and consider and ponder that, but to also feel it. And there's nothing that does that for us like music does. And so today's can you feel it song? Well, it was inspired by Christy, we're going to be honest. And it was so appropriate. It's trains. Hey, soul sister, right? Your your lipstick stains on the lobe of my left side brain. I knew I wouldn't. There we go. Thank you, you, Eric. And so I went ahead and right (laughs) let you blow my mind. Hey, soul sister. If you go back a number of exo way back, we had Stacy's voice teacher on, and that was an incredible episode. Yeah, it was. So you can catch the playlist that we custom designed just for you. That's also included in the show notes every week, every episode. Was that show notes or show notes? Show notes. I'm sorry. Every episode has a show note that has been put together for you so that you can feel this and. Hey, soul sister, that was such a great conversation today. And we do leave behind the residual effects of our emotions and our thoughts and our dreams, both with ourselves and with our lovers. And consider that because what I want you to realize is, like I'd said before, when we think that it doesn't matter, that it doesn't play out or that, right, this is all for naught or how could I be so stupid? Those intense moments of emotion that were actually exchanged between one living being and another, they're real, they're residual, and they matter regardless of how it ended in the end, right? Well, and I would say that, you know, to think that we're not going to have a, a, an emotional experience with a love with the one that's closest to us would be the same thing as like an athlete not realizing that they're going to need to tear down their muscle with strategy to make it stronger. So. People come to us when they don't have anywhere else to go and they're not sure because they think their relationship is over. So my point there is you don't have to wait till it's that point. Obviously, with Christy being our guest, she has measured, meaning that energy is going to continue. I would say we don't have to wait. We can, but you could choose to not wait until it gets to that point to where we pass over the other side. And we're still looking to be acknowledged and appreciate and know that we matter. You can do that right now before we're dead or pass on or whatever our belief system is, use the trigger, the intense flood of emotions in your relationship, and you know you need to rescue it, okay? And that's how we can support you and serve you and put our loving arms around you digitally or in person if you live here in the Northern California area and help help us help you. Mm-hmm. I love that. And and like I just said, while speaking over you, I apologize for that, but we could do both. What, what if you would express it now and you had an effect later? Wouldn't mm. that be so cool? Like yes. you, you lived on forever, which I believe we do. And the effects that lovers have on our lives, children have on our lives, incredible friends and dear loved ones have on our lives. It's real and it does live on with inside of us. And so I don't find that to be stupid at all, right? It may not take us where it is we think it was going to take us, but there's nothing silly about that. So maybe may we all find a place today with this conversation to appreciate things past and present, the impact that people have made on our lives. And if I'm missing them, well, geez, that means that they left a real imprint on your heart, didn't it? Those lipstick stains. Absolutely. <laughs> so thank you so much to our guests. That, I mean, I, my gosh, the stories and things that Chrissy was shared, we could, we'll definitely have her back. Yeah. Um, Chrissy, thank you for being our guest on the show today and spreading some love. Come on back next week and join us for some additional ways to improve your sex, love, and relationships in your life. If you found value in being here with us today, we're going to ask for you to help us spread the love and know that we are here to support and serve you. These conversations, we put a lot of thought into them and we want to stir up your thinking and, and cause you to feel something. So enjoy the songs as well. We're Tom and Stacy Bartley. We're the hosts of Love Shack Live together with our 
incredible engineer, Eric Ryder. Thank you so much for being here. And check out some of those visuals. We had some fun visuals today on YouTube. You can Or on Facebook Live as well. Yeah, that's true. Thanks for being here. Or if you're listening, maybe that will prompt you. You can go to to YouTube and find what we're (laughs) that we're hearing. You're hearing us audibly describe. All right, King Tom, it's time to say goodbye. Thanks a lot. You really have a fun Halloween if you're listening to us live. If you're not, you know, you can go back and pretend Halloween is again. Thank you to Eric, and we'll see you at the same time next week. And don't forget to build that fort we talked about. If you need some instructions, you can find it on the show notes. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for joining us today in the Love Shack. We hope you came away with something that made your toes tingle. To learn more about everything you heard on today's show, go to stacybartley.com slash podcast. Love the show? Help us spread the love by sharing the show with others. Okay, everybody, time to go. We got to close the doors to the Love Shack for this week. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Come back next week, though, and join us for another edition of Love Shack Live with Tom and Stacey Bartley.